from time to time in my personal devotional life, I have different songs that I repeatedly sing for a period of time. And this happens to be one of the choruses that for the past two months I have been singing and singing and singing that I just want to know the heart of the Lord. And I want to know him more. And I have asked him, this is a tough prayer, because when you ask this prayer, you never know where he may take you. But I ask him to take me a little deeper. This morning, we are starting a new series for the next four weeks. That's entitled, Out of the Shallows. Out of the Shallows. And this whole series, Out of the Shallows, is to encourage you, in the words of A.B. Simpson, to experience the fullness of God. Come on, how many want to experience just the fullness of God? Just to get lost in the depths of who he is. Well, A.B. Simpson, if you don't know the name, you might know the name, but if you don't, he was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. And back in 1891, he wrote these words. The mercy of God. Now, I got to stop right there because the word mercy is not getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. It's the compassion and the forgiveness shown to someone whom within one has the power to harm and destroy as sinners, what do we deserve? We deserve death, eternal damnation. But because of the compassion, the forgiveness, the mercy of God, he doesn't give us what we deserve, but he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. The mercy of God is an ocean, boundless, without limits, fathomless, you know what fathomless is? Fathomless is something so deep that it's, it can't even be understood. It can't be explained. God's mercy is boundless. It's so deep that it can't be explained. It's like this ocean where A.B. AB Simpson encourages, launch out into the deep. Cut away from the shorelines and be lost in the fullness of God. Anybody recognize this? I gave Betty a test. Come on, you can sing it with me. Launch out into the deep and let the shoreline go. Launch out, launch out in the ocean divine, out where the full tides flow. Well, Betty and I are the only Pentecostals here. Because they used to sing that years ago. 
But if this second verse doesn't grip your heart, then I don't know what will. But many, but many, alas, only stand on the shore and gaze on the ocean so wide. They have never ventured its depths to explore or to launch in the fathomless tide. Do you know how many today have never experienced the depth, the love, the compassion, the grace, and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I want to tell you about one this morning whom Jesus encouraged to launch out into the deep. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word as we honor God's word, if you're able? This comes from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5. As you're turning there, Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him, And listening to the word of God, he saw at the the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put him out from shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to him, to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, take note of that, Master. Master, really, teacher, that's what he's calling him, teacher. We've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were all astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. Am I, am I, can you advance it, Joe? And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on, for you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, 
left everything and followed him. Father, open our ears to receive all that the Spirit would say to us this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So one day, Jesus is by the lake of Gennesaret. People are all crowding around him as, as he's sharing with them the word of God. As he's speaking the word of God. And let me ask you something. Can it get any better than that? There is nothing I find more enjoyable. There is nothing more important in life than to share the word of God. And as Jesus is sharing and has the, the attention of this crowd, all of a sudden he, he stops and he sees two boats on the edge of the shoreline. And it's kind of interesting how Jesus just stopped what he was doing. He goes over to the shoreline. He hops in one of the boat. He, he might have said, hey, does this, is this boat yours? And yeah, he hops in it. And he says, uh, take me out a little. Take me out a little deeper. And he sat down and he started to teach from the boat. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this request a little unusual. But then I thought to myself, God can use anything. Did you know that? God used the staff of Moses as a means of miracles. God used Gideon, the least of the least. God used a little shepherd boy and his slingshot and five stones to bring down a giant. God used the lunch of a boy to feed 5,000 plus women and children. Here, he uses Peter's boat as a pulpit. As a platform to share the word of God. All I know is God can use whatever we have. We just have to be willing to listen, obey, and give it to him. So Simon takes him out probably into maybe knee deep water. And Jesus sits down and starts to speak. Now, many will say that Jesus did this for a couple of reasons. He did it because, well, because the crowd was pressing in. Not everybody could hear. He, he did it because it brought order. He, he went out into the shore so everybody could stand on the line and everybody could see him instead of just pressing in on him. Some say that it became like an amphitheater, that his voice would reflect off the water so that everybody could hear. And hey, whatever, if he did it to bring order so everybody could see, if he did it for sound purposes, so be it. I believe he had another reason. 
I believe he wanted to have a personal encounter with the owner of that boat. He wanted a personal encounter. He wanted some one-in-one -one time with a fellow by the name of Simon. So why would he leave the crowd? Well, this brings me to my first point. Jesus is never too busy to meet with you alone. Here he is amongst the crowd, and when he finished speaking, instead of asking Peter to row him to shore, he says, Peter, I want to have some one-on-one -on -one time with you. You see, he, he addressed the crowd like a teacher. But then he put Peter aside because Jesus became a tutorer. And I believe the same goes with us. Jesus delights when we gather to church as a corporate body to worship him. He delights in our worship. But he also wants to be a tutor, a mentor, where he gets you one-on-one -on -one for some personal time. How does he do that? Well, sometimes he may speak to you. God may speak to you through something I say today or on your way out, you may have a conversation with someone where, where God could speak through that person to you. Or maybe this week, in your devotional time, in your prayer time, in your Bible study time, in your meditation time, God laid something upon your heart. I want you to know that we have a Savior who is not just interested in the crowds, but he's interested in us as individuals. I believe that that moment when he got Peter alone, God had an intended purpose. You know what I find interesting? We're always interested in the crowds, aren't we? But do you know how many times in Scripture Jesus left a crowd to deal with an individual person? Hey, I just happened to think of Philip. Remember, Philip left a revival to go talk to the Ethiopian. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is on his way to the home of Jairus a synagogue ruler whose daughter is sick. And he asked Jesus to come to his house and pray for his daughter. On his way, there was such a crowd following Jesus that people were pushing in on him. And all of a sudden, Jesus just stops and says, someone touched me. And the disciples are like, what? Lord, there's a lot of people touching you. No, someone touched me. And in the midst of the crowd, he took time for that one who touched the hem of his garment 
a woman who had a bleeding disorder for 12 years, who spent, Scripture says, all she had on professional doctors, and she didn't get any better. She just got worse. In the midst of a 911 of going to the house of Jarius, Jesus has another 911, and he stops and he ministers to that woman. And once you know it, after he ministers, some of Jarius' servants come and say, Hey, don't bother the master, it's too late. Your daughter is gone. And what did Jesus say? No. She's just asleep. And then in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's going through Jericho. And as the crowds are following Jesus, there's a man off to the side, a man who is blind, who kept yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In fact, the crowd was so embarrassed, they tried to hush this man. He was causing such a commotion, but blind Bartimaeus just yelled even louder. And as he yelled even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Some of the most important words take place in Luke chapter 10, verse 49. Luke chapter 10, verse 49, says these words. As blind Bartimaeus was yelling, Scripture says, Jesus stopped. He stopped. In the midst of the crowd, in the midst on his way to Jerusalem, he stopped because he heard a man crying out, and he called for blind Bartimaeus to come over. And you know the rest of the story. There's something that even in the midst of a crowd, Jesus takes time for us as individuals. Why? Because Jesus meets us to take us from shallow faith to deeper faith. Notice what he said to Simon. He asked Simon, put out a little from the shore. Put out from the little shore. And when he had stopped teaching, he says, put out into the deep waters. From the shallow to the deep. And I believe this was just an analogy. This just served as an example of what God was going to do in Peter's life. Take him from the shallow to the depth. To the deep. And you know, I believe this is God's desire for each and every one of us. To take us from the shorelines out into the deep. So how does he do this? He kind of nudges. He kind of pushes. He kind of just made Peter. 
And I believe it's a way that God takes us from stability. Come on, we we all like to be on our we all like to be on our feet. We all like to be on firm ground, don't we? Come on, let's we all like to look down into the ocean and see our toes. There's, there's something secure. There's something secure about that. But little by little, notice it was a process. He just didn't take them out into the deep. He took them out a little and then to the deep. And I believe the deep represents a place where we're no longer secure, where we're treading, where we have to have full dependency on him. God wants to take us to a place where we are completely and dependent on him. Now, I know that's scary. I know deep waters can be troubling. But, but I heard something this morning as I was on my way down on, on uh, WAWZ. When is hope deployed? When is hope deployed? Hope is deployed only when you are in despair. Come on. When in despair, we have this greater trust and hope in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God takes Peter out into the deep where it's more unstable, where it's more unfamiliar, where it's more tiring, a place where we lose control. But you know what else? Something about the deep. He took him out to the deep because there's more fish. I had this conversation with my son-in-law the other day. You know, sometimes we do some surf fishing. And, you know, you can only cast out so far. And, you know, you, you just think, man, if I could just go a little bit deeper. I know there's more fish than how far I could cast. And Joe was telling me, he says, Dad, there are guys who will have a buddy with a kayak. And they'll, they'll take your line, they'll take my line, and they'll kayak it out 300 feet. Now, this building is about 100 feet, so think three times. Whoa. So here's this guy in the kayak going out in the ocean with your lure, going out to 300 feet, and then he'll drop it out there. Right, Joe? That's what you told me. You know what I told Joe? You can be the guy in the kayak. <laughs> Why? Because you want to catch more fish, you want to catch bigger fish, you got to go deeper. And what is God, Jesus telling Peter here? I believe he's telling Peter, I believe he's telling all of us that you'll never catch fish from the shore. you got to go a little deeper because as you go deeper, it's a place you'll find more food for your soul and you become more dependent upon me. Now this can happen in many ways. Sometimes it happens in the form of an illness. Where, listen, we, we don't wish sickness upon anyone. But sometimes God allows sickness to take people deeper and more dependent upon him. 
Sometimes God allows a crisis to come. To take you a little deeper. To feed your soul a little more. If you were honest, if you were honest, I bet all of you feed your soul a little more when you're in despair than when everything else is good. Come on. When things are not good, when things are not comfortable, when things are troubling, when there's trials, crises, we have a tendency to feed ourselves more than when everything is just great, wonderful, and lovely. And God says, I want to take you deeper. Now, I also need to tell you one other thing about this, because this can be scary, but listen. If you don't get anything else, please listen. When Jesus took Peter deeper, he never left the boat. Jesus was in the boat with Peter. What am I saying? Yes, the deep can be unfamiliar. Yes, it can be troubling. Yes, it can be tiring. Yes, it gets to a point where we're totally out of control. But please remember, Jesus has never left your boat. He's always with you. And even in the midst of a crisis, when you think he's no longer with you, you think he no longer cares, I want you to know he's right in that boat. And even though you may not know where you're going, the captain knows. Why does he take us deeper? Well, my last point is this. When Jesus meets us, it's to take us from shallow faith to deeper faith. Yes, we know that. We, I think I missed that point. Here's my third point. Jesus turns what we're concerned about into what he's concerned about. Jesus turns what we're concerned about into what he's concerned about. So here's Peter washing his nets. And Jesus says, hey, let's, let's go out and drop those nets. And Peter gives him a little hard time, doesn't he? Peter says, hey, we've been fishing all night. And I'm sure Peter could have said, listen, I, I, just, I just washed the nets. I don't want to get them dirty again. Plus, I've been out all night. I need to get home. But because you say so. And Jesus says, I want you to see what I'm concerned about. I know what you're concerned about. Throw your nets and as they throw their nets over, there's so many fish that the nets begin to break. And Simon calls for James and, guys, 
And they're loading up their boats and, and the boats begin to sink. I'm telling you, they have never ever in their lifetime caught so many fish. And Jesus says, listen, you're concerned about fish. You're concerned about paying the bills. But you know what I'm concerned about? I'm concerned about the eternal bill that people have to pay because of their sins. Jesus says, you're concerned about clothes to wear. I'm concerned about clothing you in righteousness to cover your spiritual nakedness. You're concerned about life. I'm concerned about all those whose lives don't know me. You're concerned about your retirement account. I'm concerned about all those who retire from life who do not know me. You're concerned about fish. I'm concerned about men. You're concerned about things. I'm concerned about people. Don't be afraid. Yes, this is the catch of your life. But from here on in, you'll be fishers of men. Making a difference in the lives of people. And immediately, they left everything. And followed him. Jesus took Simon a little deeper that day, didn't he? You know, I always find it amazing how God can take our health and allow it to be turned at times where all of a sudden we're not so concerned about the material things. We're more concerned about the spiritual things. I can name people after people after people who have come to visit this church. Why? Because they had a health concern. God sometimes will take our stable jobs, the jobs that we take so much pride in, the jobs that give us so much satisfaction, the job that gives us success, and sometimes he'll turn it. And all of a sudden you realize it's really not about the job. It's not so much about success as it is about significance. Hey, Bob Buford wrote a book many years ago, Halftime. He said his search from success to significance. Sometimes God will take our stable marriages and our relationships and turn them a bit and all of a sudden make us realize that relationship takes work, communication, and spiritual connection. Jesus sometimes takes our stable family and he turns it a bit and all of a sudden we see how proud and how selfish we've been and all of a sudden we become more humble and we listen more carefully. All these events, sometimes Jesus takes us from the shallow water out into the deep water where there's a greater dependency, where there's a greater trust, where there's a greater faith in him. That's why I say it's not an easy prayer to take me a little deeper. But here's the thing I want you to notice. 
when Jesus asked them to drop their nets. Jesus answered, teacher, teacher, do you know how many people there are in this world today who will not deny Jesus, but they just see him as a good teacher? But after the abundance of fish, he no longer calls them teacher, but he calls them what? Lord. Sometimes God takes us from the shallows into the deep to show us that he is Lord. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Jesus.